Good morning, church. I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we celebrate a holy and risen God, Jesus the Christ, 
You guys have a seat. Let's see what's going on in this week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are so thankful that you're here worshiping with us today. Here are your big three announcements for the week. Throughout the month of September, we're considering new and additional deacons to serve for the upcoming calendar year. Please be in prayer over who God would have you to nominate. They must be men of strong character, mature in their walk with Christ, and committed to the local body here at Southview. You can submit as many names as you like. Simply text the word DEACON to 910-424-1298. Next up, we want you to be a part of this year's Halloween outreach. Church, this is a fantastic opportunity for you to be the light of Christ shining in your neighborhood. All you need is the heart to serve your community. We provide everything else. For more information, join us on Sunday, October the 8th in the Family Life Center directly after the 11 a.m. service. And finally, our next baptism happening on Sunday, October the 22nd will be an especially exciting one. We will have an outdoor baptism at the home of Chris and Rebecca Calhoun on Lake Up Church. To sign up, text the word baptism to 910-424-1298. All participants are required to meet with a pastor in the weeks leading up to the baptism date, so be sure to sign up today. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This will allow you to see all other announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access the notes for today's sermon. There are also multiple ways for you to give here at Southview. You can either give online through the app or in the giving boxes at the doors as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we are so glad you're here we would love to connect with you. Just text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. This allows us to begin to know who you are, to pray for you, and to see if there's any way that we can minister to you. Thank you all again for worshiping with us today. Let's stand and continue to worship Jesus Christ through song. Well, Good morning to you all, guys. If you're a guest with us today, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you today worshiping with us. Before we jump in to continue singing together, I just want to ask a question. How many of you right now would say that there is something, a prayer request on your heart that you are asking God for? Anybody have just something in your life that you're asking God for? Awesome, yes. Probably every hand in the room can go up, right? Something in our lives that we're asking God to do, we're asking God for, we're asking God to intervene in, whatever the case might be. The great thing is this. So in what's called the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And, and, in, and in that, in verse 11, he tells us to pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. So what he's doing there, he's, he's telling us, he's giving us instruction and encouragement that we need to present our request to God. Things that we need, things that we are in need of, things for our, our daily living. Yes, physical here, but bigger than that, right? Because we have needs bigger than the physical. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, relational, right? Great needs that we have. God desires for you to present those to him. In fact, Philippians 4, 6 tells us to present all all our requests to God. 
no matter how big or small, significant or insignificant, easy or hard, whatever that might look like in your mind, we're encouraged, we're told, present all that to Him. Why? Because He is your great and awesome God and Father. He is big enough to do anything, and He is close enough to care intimately for us. He cares about your needs. He cares about your wants. He cares about your desires. He cares about your heart. He wants to hear from you. So this morning, I want to encourage all of us, for you in your individual prayer time, and then for us as a church, I want us to be a people that are always presenting a request to God, always setting our needs before Him in prayer, always asking God to work and intervene in our lives, because we're going to see God do great things when we do that. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me, and I want to give you a chance right now to do that. Is there something on your mind, on your heart, that you're asking God for. The scriptures are going to say that we are to ask, seek, and knock. This, this pursuit of God in prayer. I want you to start right now doing that. Maybe prayer is a new thing for you, something you haven't done a lot of. You say, I don't even know where to start. Start by just telling God your heart. God, here's, here's what I'm needing, God. Maybe you're a faithful prayer warrior. I want to encourage you to keep pushing in in that. Don't stop. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. That we would be a people that that are always seeking the Lord in prayer. Always laying a request before Him because we know that He desires to hear and answer so that He can be glorified. So Lord, I pray for us today. God, we're just going to be so moved by who you are, your love for us, your grace on us, your power and authority and might in this world. You love us so much. You care about all the desires of our hearts. And you are so powerful and awesome that you can truly do something about it. So of course we come to you. You're the only place we can go. So I pray, God, that we would be a people who are always seeking you in prayer. Do this in us today, Jesus. Let us see you answer our prayers for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to sing together, praising Jesus for who he is, setting our hearts on his love for us, his his character, his nature. And, And as you see Jesus for who he is, I want that to draw you in to even greater faith in calling out to him in prayer. Let's sing. Couldn't run, couldn't run from His presence
sing your praise, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name 
steadfast love and your faithfulness. Great are you, Lord.
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find 1 Corinthians chapter 6 together, all right? 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, as you're finding that, a couple of things as far as housekeeping for us as a church real quick. Uh, one, uh, one of the announcements uh, from the video I want to re-highlight. Um, uh, on October 22nd, we're going to do a, a baptism at the lake. Really want you to be a part of that. So uh, for everyone, it's just a church hangout fellowship, all right? Uh, Sunday after service, go hang out at the lake, have fun, good food. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time for you to come and connect with people in our church Come and be a part of that, all right? So if you or your family want to be a part of that, please text the word LAKE to our number 910-424-1298 and tell us how many from your family we can uh, expect and prepare for. Um, we know that Jesus multiplies loaves and fishes. He's done that once. We don't want to test the Lord thy God, all right? So uh, if you could let us know you're coming first, that would be awesome. Let us know how many. We'll get you set up for that. Second, we are doing a baptism that day there at the lake. So if you or a member of your family are ready for baptism, text the word baptism to our number, 910-424-1298, so we can touch base with you and talk through baptism and what all that means uh, and get you set up for that. So please remember those things October 22nd. Uh, second, I have an announcement for you. Um, you may know this, you may not know this, but for the last two and a half years, uh, we have had a search team uh, uh, here for our church searching for our next children's director. Uh, and so we've been doing that for two and a half years now. And, um, and, and in that process, well, we've talked with some amazing people and we've come super close uh, uh, to feeling like, hey, this is where we're supposed to go. But you just, you know, I, just I just don't know if this is it. Let's just pray a little bit more and let's just see. And so we, we take a step back, we pray a little bit more. And so it's been a, it's been a long process. But uh, I'm excited to let you know that um, the search team is uh, ready to present a candidate for you uh, to consider to be in that position. Uh, um, and it's going to be Emily Sellers. Uh, Emily is uh, a part of our church here. Uh, she uh, has headed up our VBS uh, which is about the largest thing that we do around here. And so as we were praying through what this could look like and, and who could maybe serve in this position, you know, Emily's name came up. And just, well, why don't we just talk with Emily about it? I mean, this, she, she organized and coordinates so much when it comes to our children's ministry. And so we began talking and praying with her about that. And, and uh, she came to the point, she said, yeah, I think the Lord is leading me to do that. And so we're excited about that to present that to you. That's going to be two weeks from today, October 1st. Uh, four o'clock, all right? October 1st, four o'clock. That is the last day of our men's retreat, but there'll be plenty of time for guys to come back from that. Four o'clock, October 1st, uh, we'll get together in our Family Life Center to discuss that and answer whatever questions you might have, talk to the details of that uh, position, what that is going to look like. So that's going to be October 1st, four o'clock. Please be there for that. Don't forget, if you have any questions between now and then um, about any of the process, please, you're welcome to come and ask me anything that you have. I'd be happy to help in any way that I can uh, answer those questions to get that set. So that's going to be two weeks from today, October 1st, 4 o'clock in the FLC. Do not forget that. All right? Is everybody good? Excellent. All right. The first service clap for evidently they like her and you don't, but whatever. I mean, whatever. That's, that's, that's your business. That's not me. That's you. Okay, whatever. So, 
Yes. Yes, Emily's mom is sitting in the back. We're glad to have her with us. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. So, we um, were in a series, we began last week, uh, called Design. All right? And uh, Design, we're looking at God's plan for sex. Uh, and, and, and so, as we're walking through this series, uh, the question might be, why are we doing that, right? Why are we taking time to talk about sex in church? Like, it just feels weird, right? It's kind of like the first rule of Fight Club is never talk about Fight Club. And the first rule of church is never talk about sex, right? And so, it's just, why do we do that? Well, here's why. Uh, the Bible is going to say that the church, God has set up the church to be the pillar and buttress of truth. What that means is that the church has been chosen by God to be the group on earth that literally stands up and holds and says, this is true, right? And if you take that away, what's happened is the church has stepped out of this conversation. We've stepped out of all of this. and We've just kind of let it go because it's just weird and awkward and people don't like talking about that and what are we going to say to our kids and... And so we've stepped out of that conversation. And if you want to know how that's going to work, do this. Go home and knock down a load-bearing wall in your house. See what happens. Bad things. And that is, in essence, what's happened as the church has stepped out of leading the way in truth, specifically when it comes to this topic. It's the equivalent of knocking out a load-bearing wall and being shocked and appalled when your house falls down. We are to be the pillar, the buttress, the foundation that proclaims truth. So we've got no choice but to step into this conversation and say, look, here's what God's word says. So as we're going through this, we again are, 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 are looking at God's plan, God's design for sex, for sexuality, for sexual ethics. And there are a lot of topics we're going to cover, and, and I don't expect for all of them to be relevant to you individually, and I don't expect for you to remember and retain all that we're going to be walking through over the next few weeks. But there's one major truth that's weaving in all of this that I do want to be understood. This is the foundational truth that will at least guide and lead every other conversation you're going to ever have moving forward about sex when it comes to God's Word. And that truth is this, sex is not just a physical act of the body. Sex is a spiritual act that uses the body. What's allowed this to become so wonky and so distorted and so bizarre, where, where, where we are today is never where you could have fathomed being like back in the dark ages. I mean, things that are just accepted and commonplace today, not only outside the church, but inside the church that you never could imagine. Back in the dark ages, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth way back in like 2005, where you never could have fathomed things that are accepted today being accepted. Why is that? Well, it's because I think in large part the church has stepped back. And as a result, the house has fallen down. So, sex first and foremost, it's not just a physical act. It's a spiritual act. 
with spiritual blessings if used properly and spiritual consequences if used improperly. Okay? And so last week we looked at God's design for sex. And we saw in Genesis chapter 2 that sex comes from within the context of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve, God joins them together in the first covenant marriage. And within the context of that, he says, now, you know, they're together, bone of bone, flesh of flesh. God has made them one. And out of that, God gave them the gift of sex. And so what we said was sex comes from this idea that God has taken a husband and taken a wife and joined them together mysteriously, miraculously, supernaturally in the spirit. God joins a husband and a wife, mingles their souls together, cements their souls together in marriage. And in that, this unbreakable, spiritual, miraculous union, this coming together of two humans, two souls, it's within that context that God gives sex as the physical outworking of that spiritual truth. God has made you one in the spirit, and sex is the physical outworking of that oneness. That's why it only fits within the confines of covenant marriage. That was last week. You can pick that up online if you weren't able to be a part of that. So then for the next three weeks, today and two weeks following, we want to look at some of the very prominent ways in which that design is getting distorted in our society. All right, so today we're going to talk about sex outside of marriage. Next week we're going to talk about pornography. And then on October 1st we're going to talk about um, LGBTQ and all that comes with that. All right? Uh, And so today... We're going to tackle the topic of sex outside of marriage. So let me define what I mean by that. Um, And again, conversations you have today that you didn't used to have. Let me define what I mean by that. I mean any and every form of sexual expression outside of heterosexual covenant marriage. All of them. Right? That's, That's... Dating relationships, that's engaged relationships, that's living together, that's, you know, just talking or hook up or, or, or whatever, right? Friends with benefits, right? Whatever you want to call it, whatever generation you're from, right? Whatever they used to call that thing, that, all right? Anything and everything outside of the very clear and defined parameters of heterosexual covenant marriage. Like, well, that sounds very strict, You're a quick one. You're correct. That is extraordinarily strict. It is very clear. We're not monkeying around the middles. Right? This is is it. So what I want us to see today with sex outside of marriage are two big points I want us to see, okay? Number one, I want you to see. So, okay, so real quick, two things I want to do. Number one is this. I want to take the first part of today And I really need to take time today trying my best to explain to you how serious this is. Because this is an issue that has become so prevalent, not only outside the church, but inside the church. Right? This has become prevalent. It's become ubiquitous inside the church. And so what I feel like I need to do today for the first part of our, of our time together is very simply from the scriptures, re-explain to us why this matters. 
Right? What we're going to see as we go through this passage here is three times in about five, six verses, the Apostle Paul has to say to them, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? He's having to do the same thing then that we're having to do today. Right? He's in a city there, Corinth, that is overwhelmed with sexual immorality. And all of that out there is creeping into the church. And so they're starting to go, well, is it really that big of a deal? And if we love each other and it's just sex, and what does it really matter? They're starting to think that on the inside because they're being pressured from that on the outside. And the Apostle Paul happens to step into that and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you know what this is? Don't you know who you are in Christ? Don't you know this is a big deal? So I need to take the first part of our time today and kind of do a don't you know session, all right? Like we, we got to kind of reestablish this actually matters. And what we're going to see is that first part. Why does this matter? Because sex outside of marriage joins two people in an unholy union. It harms those involved and it distorts God's gift. So we're going to take some time and just kind of really drill down in on this, okay? Of just helping us understand, look, here's, here's the deal. Here's why this matters. Don't you know these things? Like we, we, and the implication is you do and we just need to be reminded. But the second thing that I want to do also today is this. The point of today is not just, um, you know, that's bad, stop doing it, that's bad, stop doing it. That's not the point. The bigger point that we're going to see as well is Jesus. Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Jesus heals our wounds. And Jesus restores us to holiness. What I want us to see is, regardless of what your life may have looked like in the past, or what it may even look like today. So here's the thing with sexual sin. Let's just be honest. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's just a 930. They're the heathens, and you guys are awesome. I don't know. But when it comes to this sin, sexual sin, let's just be honest and chat for a second, okay? If you're new here, we're nothing if we're not honest. This is a sin that my guess would be a significant number of us in the room has either in the past done this or are currently doing it now, right? I want you to know I'm coming today with that as my assumption, all right? This is a, this is a particular sin that a significant number of us in this room has either it's been something in your past or it is something currently now today. And so I want to come today saying, okay, look, once again, here's what God's word says, yes. But here's the grace and mercy and love and forgiveness of God that comes with that. So let's, let's walk in the grace of God. All right, so let's, uh, let's jump in, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 15, and here's the first thing I want you to see. Sex outside of marriage connects you spiritually in an un holy union so look at verses 15 through 17 sex outside of marriage connects you spiritually in an unholy union verse 15 do you not know that your bodies are members of christ shall i then take the members of christ and make them members of a prostitute never or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her for it is written, the two will become one flesh. 
For he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So let's just unpack that for a second. I want you to see that in 15, 16, and 17. I want you to see all the, all the union joining oneness language there, right? So look at verse 15 again. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall you then take the members of Christ and make them join them together with a prostitute? Verse 16. Do you not know that those who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? And then the marriage language there from Genesis 2.24. Verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. This idea of being joined together is all throughout the scripture. So I need you to hear this. Again, I keep saying this over and over and over and over and over. I'm going to keep saying it for the next few weeks. Sex is not just a physical act of the body. Sex is a spiritual act at its base foundation. It is a spiritual act that uses the body. And when you join yourself together with someone in a sexual union, there is a joining, not just physically, but spiritually in the soul level that takes place. And that happens whether you're married to that person or not married to that person. Sex is a spiritual act with spiritual blessings when done properly and spiritual consequences when done improperly. And, and in this passage specifically, 15, 16, and 17, um, this is talking primarily to Christians. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, we're going to chat in a second. But I just want to be honest, for the next couple of minutes, I'm talking primarily to Christians. So if you're a Christian in the room, right, you have trusted by faith in Jesus Christ, I'm talking primarily to you and sexual sin that you may be a part of. And look at the way it's describing it here. It's using it from a, a salvation language. Right, so as the Bible talks about salvation, he doesn't talk about it so much as you asking Jesus into your heart. The Bible says when you become a Christian, you are joined together with Jesus. You're now in Jesus. Jesus is in you. He has bought your body with the price of his own blood. Your body now belongs to him. Your soul now belongs to him. The members of your body, the parts of your body, now all belong to him. He now lives inside of you, dwells inside of you. Verse 17, you are joined together in one spirit with him. You have now literally become the holy of holies. God himself lives in you right this is who you are as a christian and what the apostle paul is saying here is let me see if i get this straight you as a christian are supernaturally joined and filled and empowered by Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You're owned by Jesus. You're filled with Jesus. You're loved by Jesus. And now you take that body and do what with it exactly? You, you do realize that when you do that, you're in some way, in essence, taking Jesus and joining Jesus with that trash. You do realize that, right? You're, you're joining Jesus in with your immorality. You take Jesus with you everywhere you go. Is that what you want to do? Well, I believe the answer to the question is no. But this is why the Apostle Paul had to do this whole, don't you realize this, guys? Don't you know this? Don't you realize this is what's happening? And again, verse 16, it's using that marriage language there. Verse 16, do you not know? That he who is joined 
in a prostitute. Now, it's using the word prostitute because a lot of sexual sin primarily in Corinth went through temple prostitution. But the idea is broader than that. Don't read that word and go, well, gosh, I would never do that. This isn't talking about me. It's talking about any sexual expression outside of covenant marriage. That's what he's talking about here. Don't you know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her, for it is written, the two will become one flesh. Again, it's joining there the physical and the spiritual. He's making this connection here. While physically you're being joined together, he is on purpose drawing you back to Genesis 2 where this all began. He's talking about the spiritual union that he's desiring to create between a husband and a wife. He's saying, don't you understand the union that I'm wanting to create there? You're ripping this out of context and using it for something it was never intended to be and joining Jesus in with it? Again, what I want to do for this first couple of minutes, and I want you to hear me, is the whole point of this is for us to have a light bulb, oh no, what have I done moment. That is the point. Again, I'm nothing if I'm not honest, and that is my desire for these next five minutes. It's for you to have that moment where you go, what have I done? Because that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is desiring for these people. He wants them to have the, oh my goodness, what are we doing right now? And that is what I want you to have. I want you to have that moment where you realize, oh, wait, this is a big deal. This this matters. I I can't do this. So then it keeps on going. The next one, in verse 18, I want you to see that sex outside of marriage harms those involved. I mean, stop me if you've heard this one before. We're just adults and it's not hurting anyone. I mean, we're, we're consenting adults, we're in love, and no one's getting hurt here. Well, the Bible's going to disagree with you because the Bible says the person who does get hurt is you. Look at verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So something is happening here. Um, so commentators kind of go off on various tangents as to what they think is going on. What does it mean here that every other sin is committed outside the body, but those who practice sexual immorality, that's the sin in their own body and against their own body. So the one part is, you know, sins of you know, drunkenness or gluttony, right? You're taking things outside of you and putting them inside of you. But when it comes to sexual sin, this is a desire that is welled up inside of you. You are taking the body that Jesus has purchased and filled with his own spirit, purchased with his blood and filled with his spirit, and are now using that body to engage in this immoral act. Here's what he's going here. Listen to me very carefully. The Bible is not saying and does not mean, and I am not saying, that sexual sin is worse than any other sin. It's not. The Bible is not saying that sexual sin is necessarily more serious than any other sin. We're not saying that. We're not saying that if you commit sexual sin, it's the impardonable sin, or if you commit sexual sin, you're now some JV Christian. None of that. But listen to me very carefully. Here is what 2 Corinthians 6.18 is saying. Sexual sin is not worse than any other sin, but it sure is different. It sure is different. It's not the same thing. And again, this is why we get in such trouble. This is why we end up in such goofy and bizarre places. 
Because we start to treat this sin just like it's every other sin. But the problem is the Bible's going to disagree with you. It's different. There are consequences here that are not experienced by other sins. There are things that happen in your soul. And just think about, so again, think of sexual sin. All that can come with this, when you take this sexual act, you take it outside of covenant, committed, loving marriage. You take it out of that, and you place yourself in the most vulnerable of situations, in the most vulnerable positions, with someone you're not committed to in covenant marriage. What comes with that? I mean, it's not rocket science. There has been more anger and bitterness and hurts and wounds and selfishness and pride and guilt and condemnation that has come from this sin than any other. That's why it says, run from it. This one's different. This one's going to break your soul, run from it. It's different. It's not the same thing. Run. This does harm you. Run from it. Run. And and then in verses 19 and 20, you see that sex outside of marriage distorts God's gift. Or do you not know? Again, over and over and over, do you hear this? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. You don't belong to you. If you're a Christian today, you don't get to call the shots. Your body doesn't belong to you. It's been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. You are now the temple of God, the holy of holies, God himself living and dwelling inside of you, this amazing gift that's been given. When we engage ourselves in sexual immorality, we are taking this gift of God to save us and redeem us and restore us and fill us and empower us and make us new and take away our sin and give us a fresh start. We're taking that amazing gift from God. And now we're going and doing it all over again, joining ourselves in some unholy union that brings nothing but pain. Brothers and sisters, this is not who you are. So what do we see? What is sex outside of marriage? Sex outside of marriage joins two people in an unholy union. It harms those involved and it distorts God's gift. Do you see the seriousness Do you see the seriousness here? Uh, But the second part I want you to see now. But Jesus. Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Jesus heals us of our wounds. And Jesus restores us to holiness. 
Um, if you have a Bible, it's not going to be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, I want you just to jump up one paragraph, 1 Corinthians 6 to verse 9. All right? If you've got a Bible, just look up at verse 9. So it's within this context of sexual sin that you see verse 9. I want you to look at this. How Jesus cleanses us. Look at what it says. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6. Again, or do you not know? I love this. He's, he's, he's having to look at Christians and constantly just go, come on, man. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Do you not know what? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the people that are not promised salvation. Don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That line is so important. Listen to me very carefully because the one thing that we're going to be doing is deceive ourselves. My situation's different. You don't understand. We're in love. We're married in Jesus' eyes. No, you're not. Like, no, you're not. Read Revelation, man. Jesus' eyes are fiery red with wrath. You're living like you're married in your pants, but you're not married in Jesus' eyes. Like, that's not a thing. Don't be deceived. Stop being deceived. Stop being tricked by Satan. Don't you realize? Verse 9, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He's laying out a list of situations here, sins here, people here that are walking in these sins and saying, look, don't be deceived. You can't keep doing this stuff and still call yourself a Christian. That's the point. Quit doing these things and going, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I love Jesus, and yeah, but my situation is just different. You don't understand. He's saying quit doing that. Quit being deceived here. You're being tricked by Satan. Don't be deceived. These people do not inherit the kingdom of God. And I notice in that list, three of them are sexual in nature. Sexually immoral, adulterer, and homosexuality. We'll cover that one in a couple of weeks. Don't be deceived. But I want you to see this next part. Verse 11. This is so cool. I love this. And such were some of you. How awesome is this? You know what this means? In our church right now at this second, we have people who have lived lives of sexual immorality and adultery and homosexuality and drunkenness and swindlers and revilers and all sorts of things. Such were some of you. That's true. That's true. You know what? I love that about our church. And there are people in this room who have lived lives, who have done things. I had a young man come up to me after the first service and say, man, I can't even voice the things that I've done. I can't even say them out loud. But thank you. Thank you for being willing to stand up and say, that stuff is sin, but Jesus cleanses you and makes you whole because that's what he did to me. Such were some of you, what you see, what Jesus does to you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus Christ saves you and cleanses you and makes you new. And that's what he offers for you today. 
It doesn't matter what your life used to be or what your life may even be today. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Jesus Christ says, yeah, I know that, and I died for that to save you and make you new. Today, you can become a follower of Jesus Christ and be totally and completely forgiven, totally and completely washed clean from everything that you've ever said or done. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you can walk fresh in this reality. This is what he's trying to tell them in 1 Corinthians 6. He's looking at people who used to be a thing and are starting to kind of creep into that again. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That used to be who you are. That's not who you are now. You're washed and clean and made new. Live like that. So for you today, how many of you need to Say, Jesus Christ, I'm not living in who you called me to be. Forgive me. I want to walk in that. You know, I know we've got probably a lot of different situations here in the room. And you're thinking, how do we handle that? What do we do? All right, let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one is this. It's really simple. Let's start with basics, okay? If you're in this room right now and you're not a Christian, The point isn't that you stop having sex. The point is you give your life to Jesus and let Jesus take control of your life. That's step one. You let Jesus take control of your life and then you obey him with what he says about sex. So step one is give your life to Jesus. Two, if you are a Christian here today and you're living in sexual immorality, stop it. I know I'm supposed to be more nuanced than that, but I'm not. Like, stop it. It's a sin. Stop. And, and, and you may be in various situations that, that looks differently, right? If you're, if you're like, so the new thing now, I don't know, if you're, if you're a parent with teenagers or young adults or, 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 or whatever, like no one's in a relationship, everybody's just talking. Is this, have you noticed this? Right, we're just talking. Like, so is that like your boyfriend? Like, no, 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 we're just talking. So what does that mean? We're talking. Okay, so let Uncle Brad help you real quick, okay? Ladies, listen to me very carefully. If you have a young man in your life and he only wants to define your relationship as you two are talking, here's what that means. He wants to have sex with you but not have to commit to you. He wants you physically, but he doesn't want to ever actually take care of you. He does not care about you. He only cares about himself. And you need to kick his sorry butt to the curb. If he is sitting beside you right now, I'll give you a second. (laughs) Go ahead. Like, look, it's not you. It's okay, actually, it's totally you. It's all you. And we're done. He likes to talk. Introduce him to me. I love talking. That'd be great. I'll talk to him all day. I got the things I'd love to say. If you're in a relationship, that is casual, and that is involving sexual morality, stop it. Block their number. Stop hanging out with them. Delete them on social media. Run away. 1 Corinthians 6.18 said, flee from it. Run away. Don't play. Don't goof. Don't try to stop. No. Run. Run. Second is this. If you're in a serious relationship, Right? You're walking towards marriage. Maybe you're engaged. Maybe you're not engaged, but you're talking about engagement. Like you're walking towards marriage and you're engaging in sexual immorality. Here is my encouragement for you. Stop. Right? Stop. 
Listen. Again, let's go back to, 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 to uh, chapter 6 where it says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You love each other. That's great. You both love God. That's great. Here's going to be my question. If you love each other so much and you love God so much, why do you keep putting each other in situations that makes you offend God? If your love is so great, shouldn't you love each other enough to not put each other in a situation where you offend a holy God? Shouldn't you love each other enough to say, I don't want to put you in a spot like that? If you love each other, then act like you love each other genuinely, not just physically. Okay? There's going to come a time where you are going to be mingled and and cemented together in your souls. And that's going to be a time where God's hand of blessing is going to be on that union, and you're going to be able to experience all that comes with that. But now it's not that time. Now it's just not that time. It's not okay. And you need to repent. You need to repent. And secondly, I would say this. I don't know if you know this yet or not, but marriage is is hard. And there are things that you're going to have to walk in obedience to God with in your marriage that you don't feel like obeying, right? You're going to have to forgive when you don't want to forgive. You're going to have to love when you don't want to love. You're going to have to show grace when you don't want to show grace. You're going to have to show compassion and mercy when you don't want to show compassion and mercy. You're going to be asked by God to obey him in hard things in your marriage. So let me just ask a question. You want to tell me you have every intention of obeying God in your marriage when you get married, but you're completely fine with disobeying him in this. Like you're, you're going to say, I do, and then magically like this switch is going to flip, and like, oh, we're totally obeying God and everything now. No, you're not. Like you won't do that. You won't do it. I got a couple of decades of pastoral experience sitting across tables with, with crying couples who did not obey You don't magically flip that switch. If you're not obeying now, you're not going to just magically obey then. And you want to have a great 50 years together? You start now obeying God today. And what he says your marriage, your relationship is going to be in the future and what your relationship needs to be now. You obey God now and set a foundation for obedience going into the future. Repent. If you're living with someone you are not married to, we can help you figure that out. Let's just get super practical. We can help you figure that out. We can help you figure out a plan for that, what that looks like. I get you didn't mean to do that. That wasn't the idea. That wasn't the plan. Leases got funky. Things got weird. You're planning on getting married. It's just easier just to throw everything in one big pot. And next thing you know, you look up and here we are. I, I understand. There's no condemnation. No, I get it. Let us help you. Let us help you. We can figure out a plan forward. The goal for all of this is not to stand up here and go, look, here's your problem, and here's what you're doing wrong, and God is mad at you. If you heard that, no, that's not it. What I do want you to hear is this. There is a clear design in its own purpose because God is loving and gracious and wise and perfect. And when you walk in his plan, God provides blessing. And when you walk out of his plan, there are consequences. Let us help you follow the plan. Let us help you. Let us help you.
So as we think about moving forward, there's some things I want you to consider praying through, okay? Um, how do we move forward? Because again, this is a sin that I think a lot of us in this room have either experienced in the past or are currently walking through today. So what do we do? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, ask God to reveal to you any sexual sin that you need to repent of. Are there any sexual sins in your life that you need to repent of? Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the same uh, church again. He's like, hey, I'm coming, and I need you to go ahead and get everything set in order before I come, like in your own hearts, and so be sure to repent of anything you need to repent of, and don't forget the sexual stuff, right? I love the fact, like, he has to throw that in there, like, hey, and by the way, especially remember that one. Why? Because it's serious, because it means something, because it matters, because there's a connection there. Why is it that it's so hard to break this sin? Think about it. Why is this so hard? Why is there such a draw there? Why do you keep going back? Why does it keep happening? Because there's a spiritual union, a connection that is taking place. It's deeper than the physical. Repent. Repent. Break off that connection. Turn to Jesus. Repent. Confess all sins that God brings to your mind. Confess, repent of them, turn from them. Three, commit to God that you're going to walk forward in purity. Commit right now. If you're in a relationship, someone you're not married to, I'd encourage you today. Commit that you're going to walk forward in purity. You're going to do it. Is that going to be hard? Yeah, I think I was talking to another one of our guys after church and we're talking through this. He's like, man, this is hard. I was like, I know. He said, but you know, I realized something sitting there. I've done a lot of really hard things for bad, stupid reasons. It makes sense to do something hard for a right reason. I do hard stuff all the time, but I do a lot of hard stuff for bad reasons. Let's do hard stuff for the right reasons. Commit today that you're going to walk in purity and faithfulness and holiness. And then praise God for his new life. Praise God for his grace that he showers on you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want to pray for us. Um, if today you need to trust by faith in Jesus and salvation, I want you to do that. Jesus Christ came and he died on the, on the cross for your sin. He died so that you can be set free, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be made new. Today, you need to trust by faith in Jesus. You're not a Christian today. Yes, you come with sin and with a past and with failures and with a chunk. But Jesus Christ says, I know all of that. I know everything that you've done. I've seen it all and I died for you. Give me your sin. Trust me with your sin. Let me make you new. Today, do that. Just right where you are. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that you died for me. I know that you rose again. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I'm yours. And if today you are a Christian, I want to encourage you, take some time right here today. Commit yourself to walk in faithfulness and holiness in this. Trusting Jesus. Do this in us, Lord God.
We need you to do this. We trust you for this. Empower us as we walk in faithfulness. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, stand with us, if you will, guys, as we spend our time today worshiping and ending our time, setting our hearts on God, our great Savior. Let's sing together.
thank you for these truths that are preached today. God, I pray for your spirit of power to break these strongholds within our own hearts and our minds. Scripture says that we have been freed from the power of sin, that we no longer have to respond to it in the way that we did in the flesh. So God, I pray for sexual purity to reign in this, your body. I pray for anger to dissipate. I pray for regret and fear to fall away. And God, I pray that we would seek the highest treasure, his name, Jesus the Christ, and we would live for you and for you alone, our King, our only King. God, we love you. We thank you for this truth. In Christ's name, amen. You guys have a great week. We love you. Treasures that